everybody. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And this is Coffee and Capes, our podcast about two of our most favorite things, drinking coffee and talking about geek culture. Yeah. Right? That's um, what we do. It is what we do. All and the time. Yes. Yes. All the time. <laughs> very, very, very frequently. Sometimes we don't even record our, our conversations. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we've, we've definitely done like breakfast sessions at our favorite uh, uh, place, can, a Pancake Cafe. Shout out to Pancake Cafe. Um, best bacon in the maybe. world. Best bacon in the world. I best bacon I've ever had. Literally the best bacon I've ever had there. Yeah, well, it's phenomenal. It, it is absolutely phenomenal. Like, yeah, just, yeah, I, agreed. I've had bacon in a number of places. They have the best bacon. Uh, and they're super nice. They're just super nice people. They really, really are. Yeah, super sweet. It's a family-owned and operated, you know, business, and they're just really, really kind and really nice folks. Um, and and their servers wear T-shirts that say "Eat more bacon" on the back, and it's really good advice. It is really, really good advice. <laughs> but that's not why you called. That is not why you called. No, that's not why we're here. We're glad you're here. Thanks for finding us. Yeah. Um. All the different channels that you can find us on, right? Yeah. So we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all of the different podcast areas. You can watch us on YouTube. Hi. Um, hi, guys. And then you can always hit up our website if you're looking to buy coffee or take part in one of our amazing coffee and comic uh, subscription services. So, Or you can buy them as one-off, as gifts. So that's at coffee and comics.com or you can go into your browser and type in comics.coffee hold on john i think you said coffee and comics.com oh coffee and capes <laughs> sorry guys i'm uh i'm only halfway through my coffee right now and i woke up a little late this morning so coffee and capes.com CoffeeandCapes.com. Yes, you can find us on the internet webs at coffee, the letter N, the word capes.com. Don't or, worry, we'll just like, edit that part out in, in post-production. Yeah, we don't do post-production. We don't have um, an editor, clearly. No, no, we don't have an editor. Or you can go into the URL. Uh, you can go into the little URL thing of your web browser and type in comics.coffee, and that will take you to our website as well. Um, and then you can always send us an email. We do enjoy reading emails. So supers at coffeeandcapes.com. So all kinds of different ways you can find us, all kinds of different ways you can follow us. Thanks a lot for following us. And check out some of the other folks that uh, have podcasts out there and, and stuff out there as well, like Genre Geeks. Check out uh, all those guys over there. They have a great podcast. Enjoy listening to that. And guys, yep. if you like to put stuff in your coffee like I do, Check out Ladybird Provisions because they're pretty awesome with their coffee bombs. It is a great addition to your coffee. Uh, although I think we're still in a heat wave, so you can't order the regular bombs. I think you can only get the dry bombs shipped to you right now, unless you're fortunate enough to live somewhere where they have them in store. Those are really good. You should get them if you're yeah. Nicole and Yeah, Nicole and Sarah are good people. Like the like them a lot. Yep. All right uh what's next on our agenda dave that's all the things uh all the ways to connect with us and you mentioned all the social media too right didn't you yep okay. sure did yeah covered it all i knew i was i was totally listening 
Yeah. <laughs> sure you were, buddy. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted there for a minute. Uh, well, we like to do a little thing we call, well, let's do our coffee. Like, what are we drinking today? What are we, uh, what are we highlighting today? Oh, goodness. Uh, still our hey, coffee. There's is... no yawning, no yawning in podcasting. I know, right? No yawning. Get rid of that. Um, our coffee today is the coffee of the week that you can find on our website, which is Raging Cajun. It is a single origin French roast, uh, lovingly named for our favorite, uh, Louisiana based mutant card slinging smooth talking mutant uh who burst on the scenes in was it the late 80s that sounds late right. 80s i would have, i have I, that sounds right let's go with that yeah late 80s um so anyway you can find that on our website guys uh raging cajun french roast super smooth super tasty it's delicious it is delicious you know what? At our website, you can also get cool mugs like the ones that uh, John and I have. You can. Yeah, you they're can. Pretty, they're pretty cool. They work well. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. We're not just here to sling stuff. I mean, that's a just a side little fun thing that we do. We mostly just like talking about stuff. And we like when we have interactions with folks. And mm -hmm. uh, John has had some pretty intense interactions recently because he was at C2E2. Yes. People in my life that aren't like super plugged into geek culture stuff keeping asking me what that stands for and i keep forgetting what it stands for uh comics entertainment something expo chicago yeah, comics and entertainment expo something along those lines i'd have to look it up i don't have it i don't have it memorized yeah. but yeah i was there uh i went with my daughter delilah and my wife rachel delilah's mom we like we all just went hung out had a great time met a ton of artists um really really nice people like, like met scotty young ryan brown from eight billion genies jenny frizen who's done covers for something is killing the children and wonder woman and eight billion genies as well um ryan brown who's done stuff for venom oh man who venom, venom venom yes uh david nakayama who is probably you know my favorite like uh artists when it comes to you know covers and, and things like that and uh i got to meet him he was nice enough to sign books for us like on three different occasions wow yeah david if you oh, happen cool. to listen to this uh the offer for coffee still stands he was just Roro might have a little bit of a frozen situation here that's a problem don't know if it's on my end or John's end. Oh, there we go. John's back. All right. Where did you, where did I leave off? Uh, David Nakayama was super. Sweet. Nice. All Sweet. right. And, yeah. and then I, yeah, he was very nice. Very generous. Everybody was, um, everybody was. So the, uh, that in and of itself, all the artists got some really nice art, saw some really cool stuff, uh, at the, the Rick and Morty artists, um, picked up some signed comics from him super excited that they've got another season of that cartoon coming out oh, wow. i'm highly addicted to rick and morty i've been watching solar <laughs> opposites too which is great but there was uh and i didn't even know this while i was there this is a crazy thing 
So there was some drama surrounding a uh, comic book that came out of, so there's always comic book exclusives that happen at cons, right? And, and not at cons, like you go to a, a proprietor's website and you see exclusive covers that are, you know, they've had made specifically for them, <clears throat> excuse me. And it's a common thing. And I know there, there's a couple different sides of this, you know, kind of world. There's the people who, are just like straight like I love to read my comics and and that's it and then you've got uh collectors who collect and they love the art and they love all the different sure. aspects of the art so all the different yeah. variant covers that come out I kind of fall into that category I love seeing different covers and you know first books um because I view them as art right it's like For sure. watching yeah. different artists paint your favorite medium over and over and over again you're just like wow these are gorgeous um and then you've got it, like you've got proprietors which we also kind of fall into right we we sell comics on the website we sell yep. coffee on the website we would definitely fall into the proprietor thing and so you have these three different arenas and they don't always like you know kind of look at each other favorably as we know everybody has opinions and that's fine right as long as you respect everybody's opinion i think that matters right um but no matter what side you fall on and especially if you fall on the proprietor side i think you have a moral and ethical responsibility to your consumers to not try and pull one over on them for the sake of making a buck yeah that's so shitty. yeah so let's and so I'm climbing up on a soapbox and I just want everybody to be aware that I'm climbing up on a soapbox because we try not to climb up on soapboxes very often on this show. We'd like to keep so it. We light. do occasionally. We do occasionally. Right. It, it happens. But when the, when the situation warrants, sometimes when the situation gotta, warrants. And yeah. I think the situation warrants yeah. here. So um, I've been chatting with a number of people online about this issue. And one of them in particular was nice enough to send me some, um, media to review on it and and shout out to trap house zombie on instagram um had a great conversation with with him yesterday he was nice enough to send articles from uh, bleedingcool.com and some other stuff from a couple other instagram people around let's just call it acetate gate <laughs> okay right so if you're not aware by now of what happened i'd be real shocked so what happened is a comic book proprietor had an old um, exclusive that they had made for them that they took the remaining 750 copies of, had an artist make them an acetate cover. So if you're not clear on what an acetate cover is, it's like a painted plasticky cover that uh, is stapled to the outside that adds like an extra dimension and layer to the cover um there is a uh, batman cover that's like this from 125 we're seeing kind of a few of them start to trickle through so <clears throat> which is fine right it's a new medium like we got all the shiny chrome covers for a while we got all right. the sparkly covers in the 90s so um but they took 750 copies of this uh, exclusive that they had made from 
through Marvel for Ultimate Fallout number four. And then they what's had, special had about, an article. What, what's special about Ultimate Fallout number four, John? If you need me to tell you, you have to go home. No. Um, Somebody, <laughs> we have listeners who aren't who aren't. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Fun, so Ultimate Fallout number four was uh, the comic introduction of Miles Morales, Spider Man. Um, it followed the Ultimate Marvel line, which I still miss to this day. Marvel, if anybody from Marvel is listening, please bring it back. It was so good. Um, however, it was the first introduction of Miles Morales as Spider-Man on the heels of the death of Peter Parker, which was a massive storyline. Um, and it's a very, uh, highly regarded comic and especially in collector circles, it's one people love to read over and over again. Um, but it is, it is worth a pretty penny, right? And that's the reality, guys. It's like, no matter where you fall in the spectrum of comics, comics are also a business. Like Superman comics have sold for millions of dollars, right? There's, there's, a, there's a part of that there. So Ultimate Fallout number four falls into that category. It's a collector comic that is worth a, a pretty penny and, and sells. So they took this variant cover that was made a couple of years ago and they just had an acetate cover made and then stapled it to the outside of their already existing copy that they had which then they sent off to cgc if you don't know what cgc is they're one of like the two major comic book grading companies um and comic and cgc gave them some 10.0 grades which are unheard of 9.9 grades which are unheard of and then i believe everything else fell into the 9.8 range so essentially they're saying these are these are perfect perfect wow. comics um now they're also doing this with a ghostwriter that they had a, a cover made for and they're also doing this with another book and i can't remember now i'd have to i'd have to look at the information that Trap Zombie um, sent over, but, and they've sent some of these already off to CGC who have graded them and they've gotten a number of 10s, some 9.9s. And to be clear, that is like almost impossible to get a 10 when you send in like 200 comics. It's it's really unheard of. The number of 10s that exist out in the world as far as graded are, are unheard of. So there's a lot of people speculating that there is a pay for uh, kind of the um, fixes in kind of deal. Like, right. You, that somebody a little, paid a, little, a great, yeah. yeah, somebody paid a grader, right. To give them these grades. Now, I don't know anything about that. That's hearsay. So we're just going to put that out there though, that it is probable we're just noting that it's really really rare that uh super super rare for these for these for some comics to get a 10 grade and right yeah 100 so somebody that is a grader for cgc connected with this comic book shop and people are that's what they're thinking happened now interestingly enough right so then they they were releasing this comic at c2e2 and they released it uh, essentially, from what I, I have read and from what I've heard through conversation, essentially before the doors opened one day. And they allowed some, quote unquote, <laughs> comic book influencers 
to jump to the front of the line and buy short boxes full. Now they were selling the comic for $85. So, you know, these people say on social media that they paid full price for every copy. Okay, that's fine, right? But then partway through selling these, they also upped the price after mm. a certain point. They went from $85 to $100 a pop. So they raised it by $15. So they sold it to influencers who are going to turn around and flip it. I don't have a problem with you flipping books. You got to, like, it happens. People do it. Um, it's just the way it goes, right? Guys, people flip books. That's what eBay was built on, like buying stuff and then turning around and, you sure. know, yeah, Housing selling market. it for more. That's, that's what everybody who yeah. sells a house is trying to sell a house for more. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right, guys, like, I don't have a problem with that. That's commerce. I got a news for everybody out there that gets, that's a little bit out of shape on that. Everywhere you go that you buy something, they have marked it up from what they bought it for, right? You're not buying something at cost unless you're a retailer buying something. And even then, right, it's a whole thing. That's just how commerce works. You're sure. never buying anything for the cost that a retailer bought something for unless they put it on sale for like 80% off. So these influencers got the books uh, at a cheaper right. cost than most everybody else. The influencers, not only did they get books at cheaper cost, but they got a hundred or so of them, mm. right? A short box is like a hundred, 150 books, somewhere in that range. Um, more than that, probably. I'd have to count. I have short boxes all over my office. So they buy all these books. People in line see them buy these books. And then these influencers go to flip them. And they're flipping these books for, and this is where I, I have a problem, right? Commerce, you're going to flip it. You're going to make a profit. That's fine. But when you buy something and then you charge three times, right? Not, not 50% more, not that you buy something for $80 and then you charge 160 bucks for it. Like they're putting it onto an auction and making hundreds of dollars off of each one of these, right? Um, and to me, what's happened there is a monopolization of the market, right? Uh, and not only that, a monopolization of the market with what is essentially a bootleg comic. So in an article that was released by Bleeding Cool, and this is where I have, this is where it really gets into the issue. They talk about uh, Marvel did not approve the ultimate Fallout number four acetate cover. Hmm. So essentially, this is a bootleg comic that this company knowingly made and then allowed influencers to buy more of, monopolized the market, priced higher halfway through selling it to the people still in line, right? And there's all kinds of things wrong here. There's all kinds of things wrong. Like one, you made a shady product that wasn't authorized by Marvel, It'll be interesting to see if Marvel comes through and drops a hammer down because they're pretty litigious about protecting their property. I would imagine. And I've done some digging into like exclusive covers and what it takes to do an exclusive cover. And so for like a Marvel exclusive cover or a major company like that or DC, you have to buy 3000 copies. Oh, 
of your exclusive cover. 3,000 of that specific cover. Then you can submit for more like variants in lower quantities. Hmm. So that's when you start to see you've got 3,000 trade, a 1,500 virgin, and then 500 black and white. So what that means is you were authorized by Marvel to, to make 3,000 copies of your original variant. Then they said, yes, you can make an additional like 1,500 of the, the next variant. And then, yes, you can make 500 of the last variant because you fulfilled the initial requirement of the 3,000 copies, right? That's how, okay. that's how it works um, by everything that I've read and everything that I've dug into and the conversations that I've had. So these guys took their original 3,000 copies, took the remaining 750 they had sitting in their warehouse and just stapled an extra cover to it. Mm -hmm. That's in violation of what Marvel says you can do. And that makes that, that book a bootleg. Yeah. It makes it an unauthorized cover. Uh, there was an Instagram person who posted pictures of the barcode on the back of the book from both the original variant exclusive that they had made and then the barcode from the acetate cover. They're exactly the same. Mm, okay. Exactly the same. So if those were two authorized variants, the barcode would be different. different. Okay. Right. On the acetate yeah. cover. So I'm sorry, but like, you know, one, the, where the influencers went wrong is they should have, should have picked up a couple copies, gone back to the back of the line, right? And then gotten back in line to get more, allowing everybody behind them an opportunity to get the book at what it was set for same with the seller right uh and i heard it put best by some guys on another podcast and i see you got something to say dave so here and just give me just a second yeah. um so if i'm standing in line and you ask and, and say we had 10 friends and i'm at c2e2 and you're like hey man will you pick me up a copy of that of that book and it's just you and i sure yeah, that's two copies. I'm okay with that. If I have 10 other friends who are like, hey, can you pick us all up copies? No way, man. Like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Like, I don't want to be that guy standing yeah. in line that's like, I need 10 copies of this book, everybody else. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, six guys at the back of the line don't get an opportunity to get the book. Now, that it, it, you still run the risk of a book being sold out right? You still run that risk when you get into a line, but it shouldn't be because the proprietor has allowed another proprietor to scoop up hundreds of copies yeah. to flood the market and make a mint off of them. That's not okay. Right. Now here's the, going to play devil's advocate here for a second that I'm sure mm -hmm. somewhere, somewhere that some of those folks are like, Hey, there are no rules to this. Like your ethics, I don't have to follow your ethics. Like this is this is sort of the attitude of of uh, segments of our population right now, right? Like I don't have to follow your rules. Your right. rules don't matter to me. Mm -hmm. I don't have to consider anybody but myself. Right. Capitalism, our our capitalistic uh, system is set up to you know 
to the winner go the spoils and mm -hmm. i i set this all up and i and i win and you don't get one and too bad to you like yeah no sure. i think that's totally crappy and not how you know not a way to go through life that uh is right winsome or good or contributes to the common good or uh looks out for your neighbors near and far like i you know i i subscribe to a whole different way of going into the world and, and living in the world or try to at same yeah same right that's why we're friends um, mm. <laughs> and I, I i don't disagree with anything you said i'm just i just can only imagine the folks involved in this would just be like eh, whatever i don't care what you think because that, well, that's how we've kind of and 100 percent there's there's some of that happening right there's a lot of yeah. justification happening from people that are friends of those individuals and yeah. from those individuals there's stories coming out that don't match up between the influencers that bought them in the store about what mm. was agreed upon and what wasn't so yeah. and here's the thing guys you have a right to run your business however you want well, not entirely, but yes, within the, there are, you some do rules and like, loss, but yeah. no, no, yeah. I'm going to throw this out there. Okay. You have a right to run your business however you want, but just like the first amendment with the right to say whatever you want, whenever you want, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be consequences. Mm. Yeah. Right. Okay. You want to be yeah. a, right. You want to be a, a shady business person and you see a way to do a quick cash grab. That's going to uh, eventually land you in hot water. If people find out you have a right to do that, you have a right to cross your fingers and toes and, you know, put your ethics in a box and be like, yeah, I know it's wrong, but let's go ahead and do it anyway, because we probably won't get caught. Yeah. You got a right to do that. But then you have to be willing to accept the backlash that comes along with it. You have to be willing to take a hit to your revenue stream. If that happens, you have to be willing to accept responsibility for what you've done. And here's the thing that I think gets me the most about this situation as it's gone on. And I, and I was trying to like, not get into it and everything else, but as a, as a business owner, mm -hmm. right. And somebody who's worked in a, in a number of large corporations, here's my thing is that, uh, if you do something that has a negative impact on the community that you serve. And all you're going to do is justify it and try to silence people. It's even worse in my book. Like you need to be accountable for your actions. Like be a grown up. Right. Yeah. And say, yeah, what I did was wrong. And I'm going to do better next time. Right. Yeah, I feel like the, you know, our little tagline is coffee, comics, and community. And uh, exactly. And I I think you just hit on the, the part that's just the most disappointing in all this mm -hmm. is that we want folks in, in geek culture. I, our understanding, as we say all the time, is that geek culture stuff is based on the idea that everybody belongs, that we're, that we're all, you know, we think of ourselves as one large community. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that word in some ways gets overused sometimes and can mean a, a wide variety of things. And it does. Um, that's yeah. how words work. But 
on, on the, the macro level, like it's supposed to be kind of a, we're all in this together kind of thing that, you know, that we're, we're all part of the same community and the idea that we're going to, you know, just sort of fleece some folks and, mm-hmm. you know, and that one proprietor would be in some ways a, a giant F you to, to people that want to buy their stuff is, it's just, it's disappointing. I feel like a dad, <laughs> like, it's just disappointing. Agreed. Right. Agreed. Be it's better. Just- Be better than that. Yeah. You know, we have our core values uh, on the website. Yeah. One of those core values is do good. Right. Yeah. It's a real simple core value, guys. Like yeah. we just we just look to do good. And whether that's, you know, ethical business practices and always trying to make sure that we we're doing the right things with our customers. You know, you know, uh, we got an email from one of our customers over the weekend and and uh they had emailed me and said hey I, I hadn't gotten this yet and i looked into it and it hadn't been shipped and i was like hey i'm so sorry right i'm i'm so sorry i don't know why that happened i don't know how that happened but i'm gonna get this sent out to you first thing in the morning yeah and sent in a you know an apology a very heartfelt apology because yep sure. it had like its order had somehow slipped through and i was like man that sucks um and so the response i got was i love you guys like thank you so much for being responsive thank you for you know taking everything you know seriously in what you do like you guys are super communicative and you always like make sure that you're doing the right thing and i'm so glad i found you guys you have my business forever and i thought yeah and i thought that was a you know, just a good testament to doing the right thing, right? Right. Yes. Are there moments that you could easily go for as a company, as a business in, in your existence as a business? Are there moments where you could go for an easy cash grab? Yes. Does it happen all the time? Of course. Yeah. Right. Right. But here's the thing. Corporate history is littered with large companies and small companies who saw an easy cash grab and went for it and did irreparable damage to their company Mm -hmm. to the point where it like literally took them out. And I'll say, I don't necessarily hope that for this distributor because that would ruin lives. I don't want that to be the case. Just be better, man. Just be better. Yeah. Right. Just come out and say, Hey guys, you know what, what we did was wrong. Yeah, we screwed up. <clears throat> We're not going to do it again, right? Don't double down on your cash grab, which is what it sounds like is getting ready to happen. Um, and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we had an idea and it wasn't the right one. We acted on it and the way we handled it was wrong. We're going to do better. Every person involved in that situation should be coming out and saying, you're right. This wasn't the right thing to do. I thought at the time that I could do X. And looking back on it, that wasn't the right thing. Yeah. Um, Here's hoping that's what happens. Yeah. And you know, it's, and it's crazy. Like, People who complain about price gouging with uh, covers and and rare items and those kinds of 
things, guys, like that's that happens because people are out of their minds willing to pay obscene amounts of money for things that they value. Like it, it happens. Like if you would have told somebody back when like Action Comics number one came out with like Superman that someday it would sell for millions of dollars, I'm sure the creators would have been like, you're out of your mind. Right. Yeah. This is just a disposable little right thing to read for yeah. for kids. But yeah. supply and demand, right. guys. Right. Yeah, sure. Right. Which supply I suppose demand. in some ways they created their own bootleg. Like you said before, before I think before we started recording that these some of these copies are selling for crazy amounts of money. Yeah. And I suppose just what you're talking about there, like they've created their own bootleg. Like maybe, maybe the the unauthorized part is part of what's making it you know, driving up the price and maybe that was part of their plan. I don't know, but maybe, but I mean, and I, and I can't help but think, and I touched on this a little bit earlier and I can't help but think that at some point they're going to get a call from Marvel um, and not, not a, Hey guys, great job. We really like your ingenuity way mm -hmm. to like take advantage of the last 750 copies and help them move. Right. Yeah. My my guess is Marvel's like, especially considering it's connected to Disney. Right. Yeah. I, you can't imagine they're going to stand for some some of that. And look, I mean, Marvel Disney is a humongous, multinational, multi billion dollar company. Obviously, that in some ways kind of rules the entertainment world. Like, they don't need us to shill for them. Like, they can they can take care of themselves. And I'm not here to be like, oh, yay, yay, raw corporate, humongous corporations. But like, that's not the part that bothers me so much as it is the treating people like crap. Mm -hmm. Like that's not okay. Let's, let's, let's not do that. Yeah. I, I think for me though, it's, it's the having come from like the corporate world and yeah. being in, you know, in corporations that have dealt with a number of like litigious issues, especially around unauthorized production of things bearing a logo. Yeah. Um, I have worked with companies where, you know, we've made it very clear our policy on those kinds of things and find people online doing it and giving them, you know, a nice little like, hey, guys, time like, to stop. This. Our, yeah. yeah, time to stop. Here's our policy. And we've had some people who come sure. back and say, no, like we can do whatever we want. Like your logo is, you know, free reign and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And we can put it on this and we can put it on that. And then our attorney, a corporate attorney gets involved and says, Hey, not only can you, do you now have to legally shut it down, but we're going to take all the money that you made. Yeah. And that guys, that man, I don't want to see that happen to someone. I don't because that's brutal. Like that's brutal. If this company, if Marvel comes after them and says, here's our attorney, what you did was an unauthorized reproduction of a variant that you were authorized to make. So not only can you no longer make variants of our comics, we're also not going to sell to you anymore because you clearly violated an agreement with us. Yeah, that would be a major problem for them. Right. And all the money that you made off of that is coming back to us because of copyright infringement. 
Cause that, and I will, I will tell you having sat in rooms with attorneys over this kind of stuff and listen to them, like talk to people on the phone and inform them of what's happened. Those things are all things that this, this company did. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to see that happen to anybody. Like you said, I don't want to see anybody lose their livelihood. Again, your actions have consequences. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if that happened, you had to know, you had to, in the back of your mind, somewhere in the back of your mind, especially if you've been a comic book proprietor for long enough, you have to know, right? You know, you're dancing with the, you're dancing on the edge there with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, but other than that, how was C- C2E2 was a good experience. C2E2 was great. Like I said, I didn't even know that happened until right. after I got home after the last day. Um, yeah. I had a great time. We had a lot of fun. You know, I, I met some cool people. Through, and, yeah. Yeah. I got to dive through a bunch of different comic bins and look for stuff that, um, you know, that I wanted for my collection that I think like people will will like in some of the uh, super boxes and those kinds of things. So some nice high value comics that we can include in those to help, you know, increase like what they're getting. So they're getting something really special and nice. Um, What's a super box, John? Super box, Dave, is a number of comics that we put into a box with some coffee and uh, we just started sending out the first rounds of those. We hit a little bump in the road, so to speak, uh, in terms of roasting coffee. We just hit a little a little hiccup. It was late getting out to us. So apologies if you haven't gotten your box yet. The rest of them should be going out today and tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I, you know, it was a lot of fun putting the ones together that I could this week and really looking for ways to uh, grab out of our offering stuff that brings a lot of value. I know uh, that the overall value of the boxes for what I sent out when you add the coffee and the comics in together easily exceeded what people were paying for. Um, And that's always our goal, right? As a company is to provide more value to uh, you know, to provide fair to better value for what you spend with us, right? Whether that's in terms of making sure that we're sourcing out really high quality coffee, um, whether that's, you know, our comic and coffee uh, offerings, just we want to make sure that, you know, we're doing right by our customers and that they're happy when they, they open things. We know not every single person will be happy right that happens sure yeah it's it's life it's life as a business everybody that's never had a business or anything like that knows you don't get a hundred percent customer satisfaction but that's always the goal absolutely yeah always the goal yeah. so those are available on uh coffeeandcapes.com yay yeah cool so believe it or not uh this episode is not acetate gate uh, no, but that was 
if we had maybe if we had better editing processes uh that would be one episode and we'd uh you know stop here and go on and do something but that's not how we work around here that's that was our extended fan fiction section where we needed to talk about uh best practices and being a good community but we're yeah. not done yet but wait there's more yeah so for those of you that are like when are you going to talk about top gun <laughs> and right? why are you talking about top gun top guns as mainstream you? as mainstream gets yeah but man guys like we're you know we talk about geek culture and part of geek culture is is uh cinema like yeah. high die hard like cinema files right i think that's a word i don't know um it, it sounds good right we love to watch movies of all kinds we do and i finally got to see top gun maverick yesterday so that's what we're talking about today we're gonna talk about top gun maverick yes and, um yeah yeah maybe it's not technically geek culture but as john says yeah we just like good movies and it's funded and it's a great movie and there's a lot to talk about so that's what we're gonna do it was so good it was so good um i'm gonna say and i'm gonna spoil kind of my my oh, hold uh, on hold on so oh, I yeah. know this movie's been out for a few weeks but a month two months i don't even know it's Couple been out a while now. And yet, uh, it is our uh, ongoing practice to remind you that uh, from this point on, there be spoilers. Yeah. That uh, yeah. we are not attempting to we to not spoil, that we're just going to talk about the whole thing. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want it spoiled, please press pause and come back after you've seen it. Yeah. And this is going to be a longer episode. Like, we're going to try and wrap our movie review in the next 30 minutes, guys, so that we're not going into like a two hour long episode. Um, yeah. So we're going to have to fly through this, but I want to point out, Get this it. is Tom. Fly through it. Yep. <laughs> this is the Tom Cruise's first billion dollar movie. Can you believe that? That's Out of all the movies that this guy has made, as popular as his movies have been, this is the first one to break a billion dollars. That is surprising. It is kind of surprising, right? I, I mean, um, I think it beat titanic on something is what i saw hmm. okay i don't know all i, I uh, know when we saw it i don't remember when we saw it i think it was sometime last month that uh our whole family went and the place was packed like it and it was not like a saturday night or something i i don't remember right. let's say maybe it was a thursday or something the theater was packed yeah well it's it, it's still running now and when did it come out july june i don't even remember anymore i think the end of june like july time frame and time for fourth of july so we're well over a month yeah we're well over a month i mean i went yesterday and there were still like six of us sitting in the movie theater <laughs> right yeah. um at a at a matinee show essentially um I was trying to see real quick when it was released, but I'm, I'm not finding it. So it doesn't really okay. matter. It's been out. It's it been out quite a while. Yeah, it's been out for a while. And you know what's funny is, is so I, I remember the first Top Gun movie from the eighth grade. And I was just like, whoa, this is amazing. This is incredible. Like, this is so cool. Yeah. And I haven't watched it in years and years and years. Um, and then I got kind of burnt on Top Gun because having served in the military. Uh, right. 
you got to interact with a lot of a lot of different people and you're like we must have watched a top gun i don't know how many times um so you get it gets old yeah and i don't know that anybody thought we needed that sequel <laughs> right yeah yeah right? i don't know that there was yeah who's out there clamoring for man whatever happened to maverick right but after watching it we 100 percent needed that sequel yeah it was really good it was very entertaining uh so well done very emotional oh my gosh i was not expecting to be that emotional like three four five times throughout the movie god right so many times like there's just those moments of like starting to tear up mm -hmm. like it gets so dusty in here right yeah um yeah. well they did a great job making those emotional connections and making mm -hmm. making me care about characters that frankly i hadn't cared about in 30 years i was not sitting around going oh gee what's what's the rest of this story or you know these characters have some special place in my heart i really oh i'm so glad to see him again i mean i was just looking forward to a fun movie but i was moved literally to tears multiple times yeah oh uh, the interaction between mav and iceman yeah oh my gosh yeah right like who knew that was gonna like just punch you in the gut as hard as it did one to see val kilmer right, right. who we know has been dealing with so many like health issues and the stuff they say about him in the movie is pretty much true in real life yeah pretty like, much true in real really life talk. like he's had this throat cancer that has just ravaged him like he's he looked good though he did yeah yeah he looked good and that scene man or just the idea like that that ice has been in the background like protecting maverick the whole time is kind of right kind of interesting like i don't know if you would have expected that uh based on their uh their relationship in the first movie right you know yeah. where they were so right such rivals but then again all along it seemed like ice was aware that I don't know that he had the top spot and that the Maverick was valuable, but right. Kind of needed to have the right situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agreed. And he, he knew that that was valuable. Um, some amazing, like fun in the movie as well. There were a lot of great people in there. Miles Teller. Mm -hmm. uh, can we, can we just talk about for a second that Miles Teller with a mustache looked <laughs> like he could have been Goose's son. Right. He right. legitimately looked like he could have been Goose's son. Yeah. And agreed. uh and I and out of that, and I've never been like a big Miles Teller like fan before. Um, but I was impressed and I was like, you know, I'd watch Miles Teller and some other stuff now. Yeah. What's the what's the drummer movie? Is it called Whiplash? Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. He was really good in that too. Yeah, that was that was that was really good that's yeah. probably my favorite thing that he's been in uh mine is top gun maverick <laughs> oh yeah good point <laughs> yeah, Whiplash, yeah that's what it's called but yeah, Whiplash. yeah good point right yeah. right <laughs> and that was it that was a great movie and he was he was phenomenal in that movie you're right um he was also in uh another one war dogs i believe he was good in that too so he's been in some good stuff but like something about his character in this and maybe it was just the emotional connection that like he and Maverick were 
fighting with the whole time. Yeah. Right. Um, man, it was so good. He was so good. John Hamm as the angry admiral. I'll just call him angry admiral. <laughs> angry admiral. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I mean, they didn't give him a lot to do, but he played that part well. Yeah, he did. Um, the kid who played Hangman. I don't know his. I don't know his name. But Hangman. he was a good foil for Miles Teller. He oh, very yeah. much. Oh, oh yeah, Glenn Powell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like he the had boy, the, the. Yeah, he had that like Iceman esque. Very much so. Yeah. Right. It's, um, it was kind of interesting how that was flipped for this. That, right in the in the first one the Iceman character is all about you know by the book and mm-hmm. he and you know and here Goose is the Goose's son is the by the book and and the Iceman type character is the right I'm, I'm gonna do what I want <laughs> yes type. the um he's the hot dog he's the hot dog uh I do want to point out Jennifer Connelly is beautiful like that that woman has always been beautiful and she is just aging awesomely fits in well with uh tom cruise that way who has managed to age amazingly well as well right like look at him in the the dude's about to be 60 years old or is 60 like just turned 60 years old yeah he's like 60 years old look at him Mm. in this in this picture behind me yeah well i mean that was they filmed a while a few years ago right and then it got delayed and whatnot so he's probably 57 but still like but still who cares right look at yeah. him yeah no it's he, insane he looks great it he helps looks... to be a multi-millionaire and all that stuff a movie star and all the things but yes he looks amazing yeah <clears throat> he looks amazing but outside of all the acting the acting was amazing we had ed harris at the beginning he was great uh the guy who played hondo i don't mm-hmm. remember his name sheer and i don't yeah. know how to say is a salahuddin or salahuddin salahuddin he was I'm great sure. hondo yeah, was like really he, the tears that he shed like when he thought they had lost mav and then when they thought they had lost rooster as well yeah. where like he it just like hit you um but the true like star of this movie were all, all the amazing like aerial like scenes that they did. Oh yeah. Right. Wow. And Tom Cruise talked about it. You know, he talked about they wanted to do something that was truly special that that gave the audience the feeling of being in the cockpit and flying and you know and they they he really pulled it off yeah for sure i agree he really pulled it off the flying was beautiful and amazing and uh you know you had the dog fight scenes where mav is just like taking them all apart <laughs> taking them all to school and they, i love yeah. the fact that they're like the uh Hangman is it's so cocky. He's like, well, let's put like 200 push-ups on it and see, you know, <laughs> see what happens. And everybody's doing push-ups except for Maverick, uh-huh. right? Because he just yep. like just takes them all down over and over and over again and like takes them to school. And 
you know, his like Tom Cruise's insistence over and over that, you know, when they're talking about the mission that they come, you know, even does it like when he's talking to John Hamm at one point, John Hamm's, you know, laying out the mission parameters and what needs to happen. And Mav goes and bring the team home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And bring the team home, sir. Like, oh, oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and he's just kind of looking at him. Like he doesn't say anything and, and right. like, and bring the team home. And, uh, there, there was a, so in the original Top Gun, right, you talked about this in a conversation you and I had offline. There's so much machismo that happened, like 1980s yeah. machismo. Yep. It was a thing. Rambo, Predator, you could just go down sure. the list. Right. Well, and I felt like, you know, the the whole conquest scene, I think that's where it keeps coming back to me, to me. Like, oh, you know, we've got, yeah, the famous, in the first one, the famous scene with the, you lost that love and feeling. And they're having a bet about who can who can sleep with whom, right? Like right. that part went away. Mm -hmm. Like this was, you know, the relationship between Tom, the Tom Cruise between Maverick and and uh, Penny is that her name? Penny, yeah, yeah Penny. Penny. Yep. Um, the Jennifer Connelly character was much more genuine, mm -hmm. yes, and and much more mature, and much more adult, and had completely eliminated to me the whole like oh it's just a conquest just for fun and let's see if we can get laid kind of thing it was more just about like i care about these people care about each other and they're trying to figure out a way to make that work in the midst of a lifetime of off again on again and mm -hmm. and hurting one another and walking away and you know yeah. all of that like it just it's a you know, you have different relationships in your fifties than you do in your, in your twenties. Let's hope so. Should. Let's hope so. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think that part for me, that's part of why that relationship was so much better maybe mm -hmm. because I've ate, you know, I'm in my, I'm 50 now. So like, I just I identify with that piece much more. Sure. And, and, and it, and it makes more sense, right? It's a long standing, like, relationship and i i like how they portrayed it um i liked how maverick's character who had been super reckless fly by the seat of his pants guy and in, in the first one right is now tempered with wisdom mm -hmm. and some more experience but still demonstrated those moments of whether you call it like brilliance or recklessness, there's probably a little bit of both. Um, but, you know, had those moments, like in the very beginning when they're trying to hit Mach 10 and, yeah. you know, uh, Hondo tells him Mach 10, not 10.1, <laughs> not 10.2. Yeah. Mach 10. But and Mav's up do. there and he you know breaks all protocol breaks all the rules goes out to do the test because he wants you know the people that are there to continue to have jobs and have funding right, right? gets up there hits mach 10 and everybody's like yeah yeah we did it and you see him he's like Meh. like like a little kid <laughs> right. can't hold himself back and he's right like, right just a just little a little bit more more yeah and like pushes it and hondo's like no like don't do it <laughs> right don't do it and he does it and then you see the plane like catastrophic failure comes apart what a great scene when he walks into the little like 
diner Re- diner yeah and everybody's looking <laughs> and the, like, are you he an goes, alien he goes where am i and the little kid looks up and goes, goes earth right. <laughs> yeah. no that was, was like, hilarious that was really funny it was, it was so good now two things about that scene now here's i'm showing my age so the first one i kept thinking that whole setup with like the just the way they sh- they filmed it where he's like kind of in the sort of in the semicircle of the um like where you see some of the telemetry so i don't know what the words are but you know yeah, you yeah. see something like the, the instrument panel or whatever and just the way you kind of get that it was it's almost like you know how they marvel did with uh tony stark inside of the iron man helmet mm-hmm. it was kind of like that but large i i had flashbacks and that whole thing where he's he's gonna crash the crash the test plane i was thinking six million dollar man yeah the, that whole i thing. can see that like that whole thing yeah where yeah. he's like the test pilot and that's yes. how he ends up becoming yeah that's it. it there's something they should make a movie out of that oh would be gosh. really cool now but i um, feel like just the way it looked reminded me of that opening part to six million dollar mm-hmm. man yep i'd have to yeah. go back and, and re-watch that because i'd be curious but yeah i yeah. see that now but it was go ahead the other piece of that is have you heard the theory about this movie from that part no uh-uh Okay. Now I don't want to maybe, you know, I don't want to derail our conversation here, but there's a theory that in that scene, just what you're saying, like he 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 goes past Mach 10, it it all flies apart. The fan theory is he actually dies in that scene. And all the rest of the movie is how he imagines like his life would have gone if he had lived. Man. <laughs> Man. Because it all falls in place after that. Like, he, you know, somehow he magically survives this thing. And then like, but he it's Matt from to, Top Gun. He manages to, he manages to, to reconnect with Penny. He manages to repair his relationship with Rooster and, uh, and, and fly, a, be the hero of a, of a, of a grand I love adventure flight theories like, that overreach. <laughs> like, let me just kind of, you know what? All dogs go to heaven. Let me tell you my <laughs> fan theory on that one. <laughs> uh there's always a fan theory if that's your fan theory and that's what makes you happy like good on you it's a movie like i i don't i'm not gonna subscribe to that one because maverick falls into the han solo world for me where you just have that like skill paired with just the right amount of luck all the the time yeah right as a matter of fact in like the star wars role-playing game there is literally like han solo has a luck skill Hmm. that is right and they talk about it in like movies and stuff too that it's part of like some of the heroes that you see is its skill but there's always just that little bit of luck lucky timing right sure for everything and that's what happens for me with with mav is there's always that little bit of lucky timing right that that pairs with his skill and it's what keeps him around it's what keeps him alive in the movie and it's what you know, brings us to the important parts that we need to get to, right? So the moment where Miles Teller saves him, yeah. right? Yeah. By shooting down the helicopter and then taking a, a SAM missile and ejecting. And um, <laughs> what a great moment when Tom Cruise at like a dead sprint, like tackles him right under the snow. The like, thing. what were you thinking? Like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm saving your life. You're welcome. Um, 
I believe it was in conversation you and I were having where you pointed out they never really tell us who the bad guy is. Like, sure. Where right. are yeah, they from? Which, yeah, which is a Top Gun staple. Like, we never really knew in the first one either. Yeah, and, and that's fine. Like, we don't need to know. Um, but man, the flying was just amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. In my mind, as I was watching it, I thought Russia because of yeah. recent history and because of like the snow mountains but uh, stuff online everybody thinks it's like that it's supposed to be set in afghanistan or something but i don't know maybe and it could I don't be think it, right in some ways, they've in got some old... ways it doesn't matter i don't i don't think it matters at the end of the day i mean what really matters is we got to see mav in an f-14 in his escape yeah that was pretty cool like i love the f-14 as a plane uh the the ship that i worked on had f-14s and f-18s um so i got to see actually did what those guys at the beginning were doing with launching the airplanes um that's pretty cool and it's just so cool it was just so cool i love i don't think there was anything about this movie that i looked at and went eh i thought everything about this movie was what you could have wanted and probably de- like over delivered yeah. on numerous numerous occasions oh i totally agree with that yeah I, yeah i think i think i might have even said this on a previous podcast like i feel like they took all the best parts of the original mm-hmm. and carried those forward and cut out all of the all of the worst parts and then mm-hmm. added to it with even more like more interesting flying scenes and more and realistic and you know and you know we know cruise is big on the actual um physical stunts yeah you know that they're actually flying around they worked with the navy i guess and uh uh-huh. you know i don't know how all that works but they're actually flying these planes around and and these right. are, you know this is not cgi i mean there must be some but i'm sure there's a, mostly yeah. not cgi it's all like real physical stunts like i think i think that's a i have to wonder if that's part of what adds to the impact of this movie oh i'm sure is that it's it's real you like you said before you feel like you're in the cockpit there you feel like you're flying around with them yeah and it's you know and that that definitely has a significant impact um and they're so intense the flight scenes are so intense and so full of adrenaline that when you're back on the ground and they're doing something that has an emotional attachment to it, it it impacts the emotional attachment even more sure um and there's some there's some levity. I loved that they didn't oh, try yeah. to make it like com- like when uh, Hangman and those guys toss Tom Cruise out of the bar. Uh huh. Right. They throw him out of the bar and they're like making fun of him and calling him grandpa and all these things. And then they're sitting there waiting for their instructor, just like in the original. Top just Gun. like in the original. Yeah, I loved that throwback to the original. Right. That was great. I love yeah. that. And they're talking yep. about the most decorated, most like everything. And he walks up to the like. Like you just see all the guys' faces like, oh, just like, oh shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Tom who's like, you guys probably know this book forward and backward. And they're like, yes, sir, we do. And he tosses it in the trash can and Hondo goes, and we're off. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's so good. It, it just, you know. I, I have to say that I could 
not not that I wanted to, right? But we've we've talked about so many of the properties that we've watched lately in terms of like Marvel and, and everything else. There's been some kind of flaw somewhere that existed within the film uh, yeah. or within the show that you maybe can't get over that detracts yeah. a little bit from it, something like that. Beginning to end, I couldn't find a flaw. There was no hiccups in, in the in the effects that any effects that were used. The flying was beautiful and, and immaculate and the acting was great and fun and humorous at times. And it, like you mentioned, there are multiple times like I started to like choke up. Yeah. Right. Seeing Mav standing outside the bar after he's gotten thrown out. And Miles Teller is playing Great oh Balls of Fire. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like his dad did on the piano. Yep. And he's having that flashback. And he's like, it was just so good. Just like that moment, you're just kind of like, how hard would it be to deal with something like that? The the trauma from losing like your best friend and always yeah. thinking it's your fault and always right well and i think that's one of the things the movie does really well and here's why i picked the photo that i have that if you're watching on youtube you can see like mad's looking over his shoulder there's a part of his life where he's continually looking over mm. his shoulder and yeah and you know and in some ways we all i many of us do that i suppose that you know obviously we're affected by our past or like there's a thing in our past that we just always go back to that we're like man i i should have handled that better or i wish that had gone differently or i'm just still I'm still affected by the trauma that I went through, like all of those things. And that's that's part of Mav's story that he's been able to move forward, but not fully. Right. And and we see that in some of in his career, right? That he's still captain. That he should everybody else that's been around as long as he has an admiral or whatever by now. Yep. And he's still mm -hmm. captain because he's kind of he's kind of stuck reliving that that moment where he lost goose yeah and he kind of hasn't I, i'm going to suggest that he hasn't forgiven himself mm -hmm. and and then he kind of has you know then we learn through what he says that he kind of had his dark night moment where like you know i'm gonna be the i'll be the hero you need not the one you did whatever like <clears throat> they'll chase me because i can because i can take it kind of right. moment where he's he's like you know i i don't totally understand the motivation behind pulling um rooster's ability to be in flight school but he he plays that role and he's like well it's because it's what his mom wanted and i'm never going to tell him that because i don't want him to hate he can hate me i don't want him to hate her right like that you taking are. on that emotional impact of like i'm going to as much as i want to have a relationship with with rooster i'm willing to sacrifice that to to keep the memory of his mom yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Clear. Clean. Not clear. Clean. Clean. There. That's yeah. the word. Clean. That's the word. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of to me, that was sort of a like I said, that was sort of a, a dark night moment for him. But then when he finally gets to gets to reconcile with Rooster, mm -hmm. that's when he can now look forward like he is in your photo. Like he's now 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 there's an actual future for him. Right. Although it's you know, whether it's in the Navy or not, it's a different story, but sure, yeah, but he doesn't have to stay 
right he can he connect was. with penny yeah. and have right. and he wants that right and there's that yeah. moment he and rooster are working on the plane and in the hangar at the end mm -hmm. and he sees penny and you know they go for you know and he's looking for her yeah right yeah. he wants to find her like he goes into her bar to find her right um so his future now is laid out before him like he's got rooster and they can look forward together he's got penny they can look forward together yep. and it was yeah i agree it was a really nice like you know joseph campbell wrote a book a long time ago that talks about the hero's journey mm -hmm. and it was really a nice continuation of maverick's hero's journey and bringing it to a close right yeah i and i think that's important i do feel like we've told the story of maverick like mm -hmm. despite them making a billion dollars or whatever we don't need top gun three no i think a top gun three would feel cheap yes i agree right I, I think when you've when you've done a story that's this good that wraps this well that that literally takes you through and continues a hero's journey that was begun in the first one and wraps it so neatly at the end because it was it was wrapped very mm -hmm. clean at the end right that if you tried to do another one like he doesn't need to he's got his yeah. mission impossible franchise and they're right. getting ready to do another one of those this was a passion project for him i believe yeah um to be able to do something you know that was thrilling and enjoyable for everybody and had some heart and and literally wrapped the story of maverick yeah like, right yeah it's brought him finally full circle exactly yeah and, and it's a story well told it was a story well ended um <clears throat> i don't know that there were flaws but there you know it would have been nice to find a way to to include kelly mcgillis in this somehow um or at least to acknowledge that character i don't know um, but it wouldn't have fit with the story that would have been shoehorning it in yeah, when right because he had already like they were no longer together that happens in life are you That's still true. right you know, right yeah right i am yeah. not with the person i was with in my 20s thank god um <laughs> uh same yeah <laughs> yeah so you know right. and and i'm not going to bring that person from my 20s into my life now just to like hey, let's talk about where I came from. You know, like that's that's not necessary. So it's not necessary to do it in a film either. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I think if there was to be another another chapter in this story, it would have to be beyond Maverick. It would have to be, well, let's learn some more about some of those other pilots. Like <clears throat> some of those other pilots didn't get a lot to do because this is the Maverick story. This isn't the, right. this wasn't the story of the Top Gun school. This was the Maverick story. Correct. I um yeah I, I I agree, but I don't think pining for those stories like I, I'd be I think yeah, some yeah, of those characters was... are interesting and it'd be it'd be it would be okay to see what they're doing, but that really isn't what's driving this. Like I don't think a Top Gun movie without Tom Cruise would make much sense. No, and I don't think it would do well. Right? I think that I, I it would think be, it would feel cheap, like you said. Yeah, it would feel it would feel cheap on the heels of the the way this story wrapped everything yeah it would feel like a cash grab right right um and we get enough of those and we don't need any more <laughs> we don't need any more right right yeah. uh when you have a movie as as so well done as this 
that really does wrap everything so well, then you just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I like to do a much better job of making the, making the cast look like the real world. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when you watch the first one again, it was very male and very white. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, that's not the world we live in where everybody's male and white. So I like that the cast was a little more diverse and looked, looked more like the real world and folks that are actually in the military and you know, how all that goes. Like it just felt more, well, it feels more like recognizing the community in that way. Yeah. You know, that it brings everybody in. And, and yet, you know, there's no, there's no question that this is the Maverick story that we're focusing on. Time. Yeah. And that's hundred percent. Great. And fine. Cause that's the character. That's the character we care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they did a really nice job of making us care about him again in a, in a different way though. Yeah. Right. right. He's, he was a little more weathered, a little more complex. There was a little yes. bit more to him than, you know, the past. And he was recognized despite the fact that everybody wanted to ground him. <laughs> right. As the person, the pilot in the entirety of the Navy that was the most qualified to do this. Right. right? And even at the end, right. When, uh, when Rooster's talking to Hangman who came to their aid. Right. And you knew mm-hmm. that was coming at, right, at some right. point. Yeah. Right. Uh, which furthered kind of his status as maybe the Maverick type character because yeah. Mav sat on the ship until uh-huh. like Iceman and those guys needed help. Right. And then he, he was given the go ahead. And, um, you know, they ask him, they ask Hangman, he's like, she so got your, your second, you know, your second uh, kill, huh? He's like, yeah, maybe someday, you know, you'll catch on. He's like, Mav had five. That makes him an ace. <laughs> so, <laughs> eh, yeah, right. And they give that, there's still that little bit of ribbing after yeah, it's all right, done. Right. right. Um, which, you know, was, was kind of fun. And um, yeah, it's just a, a, a really strong movie that stands well right it it doesn't feel shaky unrealistic at any point in time um yeah i mean maybe well it doesn't matter like do can pilots really survive that easily off of the you know when they when they have to eject is it do they do they land unscathed like that uh i've never had to eject i can tell you but since they do survive and they do live and they you know that's the goal is to be sure, able to yeah. walk away from like ejecting like that. So, you know, I'm going to go with yes. I know the guys that I knew that worked on ejection seats in the military. That was, that was the goal is that if somebody had to eject, they could hit the ground running when they're, they're all oh, done. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Mav does that. <laughs> yeah. Mav does that because there's a <laughs> helicopter coming to kill yeah, him. Right. So, you know, and, and, when I say nothing feels unrealistic, I, I mean that nothing looks like fake. You know, sure. The, well, and the story none felt of the, genuine. Yeah. The yeah. The story felt, felt genuine. genuine. It yeah. felt like this is this is possible. You know, whether or not right, I don't right. know enough about flying to know if like what they're doing is is you know how how doable that is. I mean, it looked doable, and from what I understand, sure. just like you, right, that Tom Cruise wanted it to be 
not CGI. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to get up in the plane and we've got to, we've got to give them actual, yeah, actual special so effects. It, it really does make a difference, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if only it's we funny. can do that in Marvel movies. Yeah. Right. right? <laughs> yeah, can we exactly. find like all the people who do that? Uh, can we reboot Iron Man? <laughs> no, let's not reboot yeah. Iron Man. No, let's not. Please. Well, I mean, we could do Iron Heart. <laughs> yeah. We're doing Iron Heart. So right. it'll be interesting. Um, to so at one point one. early on, uh, when the, the movie was full, actually, maybe even before it started, uh, the son leans over and he's like, Why are there so many people here? And, and my comment was, Well, Son, you can rarely go wrong selling nostalgia to middle-aged white folks. But by the end of the movie, I did not feel that cynical about it. Like it was, it like I said, it had very much emotional impact multiple times, tears coming down multiple times. Like it was, they did a, a tremendous story of building, um, sorry, a tremendous job of building a story that, I thought hit on all cylinders and connected and, uh, mm -hmm. and made me care about them all. Yep. yep. I, I agree. It was a great movie. Great movie. So on so, our, yep. On our scale, system. pretty obvious here. I'm going to give it an overwhelmed. Yeah. And a hundred percent, I'm going to give it an overwhelmed. And you know, if anybody from the movie theater ever listens to this podcast and goes, and is thinking we should make another one. Cause it made a billion dollars. Don't please don't don't. Right. It's like yeah. the idea of like, hey, let's make a second Titanic. We can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. right? It made a billion dollars. What yeah. are we going to create? We'll create ghost Tanic. Right. Um, yeah. Zombie Tanic. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, this is it really did. I'm glad that it made all the money that it's that it's made. It goes to show that it's not just Marvel's world in cinema, that there is a driver for other properties out there. Um and as much as I love Marvel movies, right, this was such a nice break. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I had somebody say to me, well, oh, you, you really watch that jingoistic nonsense? And I'm like, well, I didn't get that sense. I mm. didn't get that sense that it was. Yay, raw America and screw everybody else. Everybody else is terrible. We're the only we're the only ones. No, and it, it was, didn't tout that flag at all. No, it was just this is the Maverick story. It's yeah, right there it, in the title. This is the Maverick story. Yeah, and and I'm gonna and I'm gonna say this like the military is not the raw raw kind of like that that idea that people have about a preconceived notion about a movie about the military being you know raw raw America you know, everybody else is bad and, and whatnot is uh, a little on the offensive side for those of us that have served. Um, it makes this assumption that that's what everybody's thought process is in the military. And I encourage anybody who has that thought process to sit down with a few veterans and talk to them about their experience, the brotherhood and sisterhood that they experienced coming out of that. And the, some of the socioeconomic, you know, things that may have led them into doing that. Mm -hmm. right um some of the areas that they came from that led to the idea that, of serving their country right and what it actually means to them like who are they serving in their mind's eye like and you're going to find a wide range and a wide gambit but sure probably as um, almost as many answers as there are people yep 100 so yeah. to lump everything into that kind of rah-rah like mentality uh I think is is the same as 
you know, lumping any group into anything. Hmm. So, yeah, that's my soapbox from a, a veteran standpoint. Well, we appreciate your service, sir. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yay, this was gun. a little long, but uh... <laughs> it was a little long. Acetate Gate and uh, and Top Gun Mav. Hopefully, we ended on a high note with Top Gun Mav. Yes. Right? Uh, and just like everything else, do good. Do good. Yes. Build the community. Uh, so let tell let us let us know what you thought. What do you think of the movie? I, I imagine you saw it. Uh, what do you think? Um, and uh, you know, we'll we'll leave it at that. So thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate all you. Uh, we love our true believers. <laughs> thanks for thanks for connecting with us in all the ways. Hope to hear from you. Until next time. Bye. Bye, guys.